BC's vaccine rollout. This is going to be and needs to be an all of BC effort. The plan to deliver millions of doses as long as the supply is solid. Convenience store assault. The spitting, just the whole thing was just, it was disgusting. What provoked his violent outburst all while holding a small dog. And more bombshells about BC casinos. Not uncommon to see uh, volumes of 100,000 and even up to 200 and 300,000. Key testimony reveals a lot about the flow of dirty money and who knew about it. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We have a much clearer picture of the monumental task to vaccinate the entire province now. Our coverage begins with Richard Zussman and details of the plan to inoculate more than 4 million people based almost entirely on age. Some move up the queue, others are moving down. It's the biggest immunization program in British Columbia's history. Mass COVID-19 vaccinations based on age, meaning non-medical essential workers will not be prioritized. I would just say to British Columbians, because I know this is how they feel, if given the opportunity to have a vaccination today, knowing that there are other people that are more vulnerable, I am confident that the vast majority of British Columbians would defer their vaccination to protect someone more vulnerable. The province set to provide 7.4 million doses of the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine before the end of September, requiring two shots per person. It includes the 80-plus crowd, long-term care residents, health care workers and others currently being vaccinated. And this is when you will get your shot. If you're in your 70s, the first shot will be in April or just before. In your 60s, the shot will come in late May and into July. The older you are, the sooner it will come. If you're in your 40s and 50s, it's in July for the first shot. And the 18 to 39 range, it's late July and into August. Our immunization plan is based on evidence and data and focused on immunizing people who are most vulnerable to the virus first. One exception is the province will prioritize, no matter the age, organ transplant recipients, people with specific cancers, and those with severe respiratory conditions. It is all about marrying a vaccine that we have with risk that we have. Hockey arenas, school gymnasiums, community centres, that's where the province will be doing these vaccinations. And Dr. Bonnie Henry setting an ambitious goal to remove these masks and get back to some semblance of normal. I would love to be able to say um, July 1st. <laughs> That's, um, you know, I think there's a whole lot of unknowns. One of the unknowns is whether the province gets access to the AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson vaccine, something not accounted for in the plan. Another unknown, children, who so far aren't approved to be vaccinated with the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Well, as Richard mentioned, B.C.'s updated rollout plan means what was initially supposed to be a guaranteed shot in the arm for essential workers is now a shot in the dark. Jordan Armstrong has reaction from frontline employees who just learned they will no longer be getting priority immunizations. The pandemic has reminded us just how important grocery store workers really are. At Stong's in North Vancouver, even the bakery is booming. Is the bakery busier this year? Now Very much so, yeah. Who doesn't need a slice of comfort these days? That is all whipped cream, cherries, and chocolate. 
but there is no extra layer of comfort for these and other essential employees now that they know profession, with the exception of health care, doesn't equal priority in BC's vaccination queue. I don't think any of us expected for any frontline workers, whether they're grocery store workers or others, to be at the top of the list, but certainly somewhere in the priority order. But the province's poke priority is based solely on age. Every component of our society is important, but the science is pretty clear. So, shelf stockers, teachers, and truckers will have to get in line with everyone else. Not surprisingly, the Teachers Federation is not impressed. President Terry Mooring says in a statement, BC teachers, like many others, will be disappointed to see there is no prioritization for the frontline workers who have kept our schools, public services, and economy open. There had been hope in prior announcements that such prioritization would be possible. Age is the, prom- that is the dominant determinant factor on severe illness and death. The head of the Trucking Association supports the province's approach, noting there's been very little transmission in his industry. Uh, we do understand because uh, we haven't seen a lot of that, um, that there has been a decision taken uh, really to focus on where the harm is happening, which is in our, our vulnerable elderly. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Heading into the weekend, here's a look at the latest numbers. We have 508 new cases in B.C., bringing our total to 63,484. We have nine more deaths, which means 1,128 have now died from complications of the virus. 315 people are in hospital, 74 of those patients in the ICU. 56,455 are considered recovered leaving us with almost 4,500 active cases and more than 6,700 in self-isolation. Okay, we're going to bring in Keith Baldry right now for more about the priority list vaccinations and why, Keith, they are moving away from essential workers and focusing more on age as the key factor here. Yeah, public health officials say this is all about science. So the the stats show that 95% of the people who get COVID don't go to hospital, they don't get seriously ill. But there's 5% who do go to hospital, and of those, they go into ICUs and some of them die. And those are older people. And the goal is to prevent the most vulnerable from getting sick. So that's why they get to go first over frontline healthcare workers who are generally younger. And again, the, the statistics sort of speak for themselves. Take a look at the numbers here in terms of where people over 60 are. They represent 62% of all hospitalizations. 64% of all intensive care unit cases. And look at this, 97% of all the deaths in BC have been in the age group of people age 60 or over. Uh, They're just 26% of the population, but they represent two-thirds of the cases of uh, hospitals and ICU and almost 100% of the deaths. So that's why the switch was made. I think a number of us were scratching our heads at the beginning when uh, grocery store workers, other uh, workers were put in the priority list, when older people were not, when we were seeing statistically the older age groups literally dying at greater numbers and being being put in hospitals and ICUs. So that's why the switch was made based on science. But at the end of the day, everybody's still going to get a shot or they're going to get two shots before the end of the fall. All right. We've got a long way to go before we get that accomplished, which uh, thanks very much, Keith, takes us to our next story. The daunting challenge of vaccinating more than 4 million people in 10 months really can't be overstated. And while there are few logistical details in the government's new plan, Global's Paul Johnson shows us what we might expect. Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. An early glimpse of what mass vaccination in North America looks like. From Disneyland to Gillette Stadium in Boston. Health officials are ramping up an historic project. 
Expect similar scenes in B.C. in the coming weeks and months. The immunization clinics that we will use in phase three and four are, are going to be organized, as Dr. Henry alluded to, in about 172 communities around the province. It will be the biggest health and logistics operation ever done in B.C. Getting 8.6 million doses into the arms of eligible British Columbians, most of them getting their shots between April and the end of September. So expect much more news soon about the how and the where. This is the good old Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver. We don't yet have the list of where these vaccinations are going to take place, but when they get into high gear, presumably Victoria can take advantage of the many large venues around the province that have been mostly sitting empty. Ones in school gymnasiums, in arenas across the province, convention halls, community halls, any place where we can gather, you know, medium to very large uh, groups of people to do this. Accompanying that will be a major communications and outreach campaign, telling British Columbians when and where to go. Much of that will be online. But for those who prefer to get a real person, the province is also promising a call centre. As for the importance of participating, expect more scenes like this, where prominent people drive home the message that succeeding at this is going to be the real pandemic terminator. All right, I just got my vaccine, and I will recommend it to anyone and everyone. Come with me if you want to live. Paul Johnson, Global News. A surgical unit at the Kamloops Hospital is no longer taking in new patients because of a COVID outbreak. Interior Health says at least six patients and two staff members on Unit 6 South at Royal Inland Hospital are infected with the virus. COVID-19 patients have been relocated to the COVID unit. Hospital surgeries are continuing, but with the unit closed to admissions until further notice. Patients who require post-surgery care will receive it on a different floor. Meantime, Vancouver Coastal Health is issuing an alert of a possible exposure at a boxing and fitness studio. It happened at Rumble Boxing on Expo Boulevard between January 11th and January 18th. A posted sign on the front door says they are voluntarily closed for the time being after a staff member tested positive. Health officials believe the potential exposure risk is low, but they are asking anyone who was there at any time during that week to self-monitor for symptoms. Police are searching for a suspect who lost his cool in a convenience store. The whole thing was caught on security camera, including the little dog the guy was holding when he attacked the manager. That story is next on the NewsHour. Prime Minister Trudeau talks about the scandal that hit his hand-picked governor general and who will step in in the meantime coming up. And troubling evidence, the new UK variant of COVID is more deadly than first thought. That's later on the news hour as well. But right now, the mandatory mask policy triggered quite an outburst from a customer at a Vancouver convenience store. And the disturbing attack that followed was caught on camera. Now, Vancouver police are asking for your help to find a man who allegedly spat on the store manager who confronted him about it. Catherine Urquhart reports. It was a violent assault inside this 7-Eleven at 10th and Alma in Vancouver, December 17th. The incident was captured on surveillance video and was witnessed by several frightened customers. You're dumbstruck because this just doesn't tend to happen around here. And it was pretty much unprovoked. At first, a man with a dog can be seen at the front of the store. He's not wearing a mask. 
Then, when the manager requests he wear one and asks him to take his dog outside, the suspect explodes. He spits on the manager. Then there's a physical confrontation, ending with the 7-Eleven manager on the floor bleeding. It just escalated from there to the point that the uh, the manager here got beaten up quite badly, bleeding from the head, and. I don't know if they're able to find this guy that assaulted him or not. But the spitting, just the whole thing was just, it was disgusting. The manager has since recovered, but the crime remains unsolved. Vancouver police hope releasing the video and still photos will lead to a suspect. The suspect appears to be in his 20s and has dark skin. He's about 5 foot 10 with a medium build and he has short dark hair. The assault is prompting police to remind everyone that failing to wear a mask can result in a $230 fine. They're also encouraging people to call 911 if someone becomes aggressive when asked to wear a mask. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. One of two suspects in a violent sexual assault at Oppenheimer Park last year is wanted now on a Canada-wide warrant. 34-year-old Nicole Edwards is accused of breaching her bail conditions. Vancouver police say she was last seen leaving her halfway house in Surrey January 6th. Edwards and 30-year-old Jason Tapp are accused of holding a woman at gunpoint and beating and sexually assaulting her with a weapon for more than 15 hours at the former tent city in April of 2020. We did issue a similar public appeal last August when Miss Edwards was wanted for breaching her conditions again. At that time, she was quickly arrested uh, following that appeal, but more recently, back in December, she was released to live at a halfway house. Edwards is known to frequent the downtown east side. She has a distinct Waukesh tattoo on her neck. Anyone who sees Edwards or knows where she is is asked to call 911. Coming up, dirty money alarm bells, shocking new testimony, and revealing emails from the Cullen Commission detail the explosion of money laundering in B.C. casinos. Plus, bad timing, the backlash against budget cuts to an organization that's supposed to prevent gang violence. Lots of extra traffic over here southbound at the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge tonight after clearing an earlier problem. It's backed up on the cut to pass Lonsdale on the approach. Kermac Collision and Auto Glass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge. Some startling testimony at BC's inquiry into money laundering today that Asian organized crime groups were becoming so powerful inside BC casinos that it was too dangerous to investigate suspected drug cash transactions. Investigative reporter Sam Cooper joins us with more on today's testimony at the Cullen Commission. And Sam, we are talking about transactions totaling close to $200 million a year. Yes, uh, we heard that the regulator tracked this from 2007. They judged that after 2010, these suspicious transactions were growing exponentially. Uh, after 2011, it's judged the gangs have such presence and are known to be in possession of restricted weapons that staff cannot investigate them because of the safety hazards. Uh, so we heard that senior BC officials were warned of the problem and heard of an estimate in 2014 that this suspected drug money laundering had reached 200 million per year 
and yet nothing happens until 2015 when Lottery Corporation officials learn that the RCMP is investigating. They were, they were actually the ones that, that, that got the information from the police. And as I recall someone telling me that what the police had said, they told them about this investigation involving money laundering in casinos that they had going on. Uh, it was involving you know, serious organized crime and the outcome is going to embarrass the government. Uh, that was when it started to get just a little more frantic around there. And you start to see them do a little more in the way of banning people and doing a few more things, but they never did impose any kind of a, uh, a limitation on cash. Sam, the inquiry will determine whether corruption allowed this all to happen. So did the testimony today touch on that? It did. We heard that uh, casino staff knew and in some cases were close to loan sharks. We heard that some well-known loan sharks even were given privileged parking places at certain casinos. We also heard stunning allegations that some uh, casino staff in VIP rooms could have been working with loan sharks to facilitate uh, transactions for high rollers. So if those allegations are, are true, certainly it would suggest serious corruption. Incredible stuff. Sam Cooper, once again, thank you. Langley RCMP are investigating a Thursday night shooting in the Willoughby neighborhood. It happened near 198th Street and 82nd Avenue around 8.30 p.m. When police arrived on scene, they found a stolen Audi that was unoccupied. A short time later, a man who says he was the intended victim got in touch with officers. He only sustained minor injuries and is cooperating with investigators. Anyone with information about the incident is asked to contact the Langley RCMP department. As the body count rises in the Lower Mainland gang conflict, a successful anti-gang organization has had its funding slashed by the provincial government. Safer Schools Together delivers programs across the province in an effort to stop kids from being lured into gang life. The group's funding decreased by more than half a million dollars this current fiscal year compared to the previous year. SST said no one was available to comment today, but gang experts say they were absolutely shocked when they heard about the funding cut, especially now. In less than a month, there have been five gang-related murders in Metro Vancouver, the youngest victim just 14 years old. They're crucial because the, the kids are so naive to the dangers of it, and they're so susceptible to be recruited into that world. So they need guidance, and they need the truth. you got to tell them, this is what's at the end of the road. And without that funding, you can't get the word out to these schools and the, the kids who need it. Um, significant amounts of money have been invented on the prevention side, as well as on the, uh, the police resources side, uh, both human and financial. Um, and, you know, COVID has impacted uh, work this year. Um, but I can tell you uh, that, uh, you know, my ministry is working to ensure that the, uh, the program is funded uh, for the coming fiscal year for the full amount of work that it would be expected to do. Still ahead, vaccinations slow to a trickle in some states. My emotions are up and down. What the Biden administration is doing to get mass inoculations back on track. And why the public is no longer allowed to purchase surplus cruisers from law enforcement. 
Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. Traffic is steady in both directions over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge, but do keep in mind that there are lane closures during the overnight hours between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. for maintenance. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Walmarts and the real Canadian superstores throughout B.C. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com. Open every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. The Prime Minister says, or the Prime Minister has named, an interim replacement for the former Governor-General. Trudeau says he spoke to the Queen this morning to inform her Chief Justice Richard Wagner will be the interim Governor-General until a new one can be nominated. But Trudeau isn't apologizing for his decision to appoint Julie Payette in the first place following the scathing report into the toxic workplace that led to her resignation. When pressed by reporters, the Prime Minister dodged a direct answer. He described the vetting process for Payette as vigorous and reinstated that no bullying anywhere, or restated that no bullying anywhere would be tolerated. People who've worked in Rideau Hall uh, over uh, the past uh, years have uh, done so in sometimes difficult circumstances, and we thank them deeply uh, for their work, and we'll continue to ensure that everyone uh, who works uh, for the government or anywhere in Canada uh, continues to have uh, the safe and secure workplaces. The federal government is suspending the sale of decommissioned RCMP vehicles and is working on other ways to make it more difficult for civilians to impersonate police officers. The measures come more than nine months after a gunman killed 22 people in Nova Scotia, evading police in a replica RCMP cruiser. Global's Elizabeth McSheffrey reports. Like, it's amazing. They even have the radar unit in it. They have the cameras. They have all the light switch box. Electric vehicle dealer Dave Giles is a regular at used car auctions in Canada. He says it's easy and cheap to get an ex-police cruiser that could fool the average person. Uh, some of them still had racks in them, uh, electronic equipment. Uh, and that's because a lot of the manufacturers incorporate these components into the vehicles during build. So that means to remove them from the vehicles is such a costly uh, uh, endeavor. But buying and selling will no longer be so easy, at least when it comes to RCMP cruisers. On Friday, Ottawa confirmed it's suspending the sale of decommissioned vehicles used by the Mounties. We now have two very serious incidents where individuals have modified the vehicles for the, for that purpose and, and we'll take the steps necessary to ensure it doesn't happen. Last April, a lone gunman killed 22 people in Nova Scotia, evading police for 13 hours in a replica RCMP cruiser and uniform. And earlier this month, a Nova Scotia man was arrested for impersonating an officer, allegedly tailgating motorists while driving a decommissioned police car. Ottawa says the moratorium will allow for officials to look for other ways to make it more difficult for civilians to impersonate the police. If FinTrack is going to monitor large-scale financial transactions, we should be monitoring large-scale purchases of equipment related to military and related to police to ensure that it's not finding its way into extremist-type groups in this country. The Nova Scotia government also confirmed this week it plans to tighten the rules around the sale of decommissioned cruisers, hoping to table legislation when MLAs return to Province House next month. Elizabeth McSheffrey, Global News, Halifax. 
Prime Minister Boris Johnson says the new COVID-19 variant first detected in the UK may be more lethal than previous strains. Johnson cited research from the UK's chief scientific advisor, Patrick Valance, who says there is early evidence of an increased risk of death among those who test positive. Valance stresses more research needs to be done. The new variant was first detected in southeast England and is believed to be between 30% and 70% more transmissible. The UK remains under a strict COVID lockdown. One million shots in 100 days. That's U.S. President Joe Biden's goal as he invokes the Defense Production Act to speed up the process. The COVID-19 death toll in the U.S. has now surpassed 410,000 people, and experts believe it'll hit 500,000 next month. Global's Jennifer Johnson reports. At least 15 COVID-19 vaccination sites in New York City have been forced to close. Health officials had no vaccines left. We will, by the end of today, fully utilize all of the dosages that have been delivered. Now we're going to count by five. Like tens of thousands of others, this Buffalo teacher finally got an appointment for her shot, only to have it canceled. My emotions are up and down. Saturday when I heard the news, I I seriously wanted to cry. To try and free up more vaccines, the Centers for Disease Control now says the second shot can be administered up to six weeks later, not three weeks. A change that's making some people nervous. It's like, well, what happens if I get it later? Then I don't want to be somebody's guinea pig. President Joe Biden wants all available vaccines released and is using the Defense Production Act to boost production and create federal vaccination centers. Biden's plan is to administer 100 million shots in 100 days. Some experts believe the U.S. could exceed that. If we look at the supply of vaccines coming from Moderna, Pfizer, J&J and AstraZeneca, I think he may be able to do 200 million in the first 100 days. For hospitals and pharmacies, the ramp up can't come quickly enough. Towards the end of last week, I asked for a thousand doses and they couldn't give me any kind of answer. That was last week. Slack by your side. The Biden administration, after just three days, is promising things will rapidly improve while asking anxious Americans to be patient. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. In Health Matters tonight, three new COVID-19 long hauler clinics are now open in B.C. to research the mystery of why some people continue to have lingering symptoms long after they're deemed virus-free. Aaron MacArthur caught up with one of the first post-COVID recovery patients who's now receiving specialized treatment. It's been not like any illness I've ever had before. It's been very bizarre. Katie McLean was first diagnosed with COVID in September. Five months later, she's still unable to do much of anything physically. And it's only been in the last month that the weight pressing down on her chest has been lifted. It's been really important to have health care providers that understand what people are experiencing. We first met McLean in December at the first of its kind COVID long hauler clinic at St. Paul's Hospital. We could uh, run through your CT scan here. Now across Metro Vancouver, two more clinics have opened their doors. People can get tailor-made treatment for their prolonged symptoms, which often vary patient to patient. That makes this disease very challenging, um, just because each patient, there's no cookie-cutter recipe for dealing with this. Each patient has their own, needs their own approach. The need for the clinics is clear. St. Paul's has already seen about 160 patients since it first opened. 
Fraser Health has suffered through the worst of the COVID outbreak this winter. And the expectation is the clinic at Surrey Memorial will see the most need from long-hauler patients. Doctors say so far about 10% of all COVID patients develop symptoms that last months. This network of clinics, uh, including the one here at Jim Pattison and Fraser Health, is connected to help uh, develop all the research to collect the data to see what is the burden of this illness. Right now, it's only people with confirmed diagnoses of COVID that can access the clinics. But as the number of patients increases, the program is expected to expand to meet the need. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Up next, a winter warning why you should play it safe with snow tires if you're driving anywhere this weekend. And in sports, straight talk from the Canucks coach about why they are not a very good hockey team right now. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. We've got some snow in the forecast for the south coast and with that at least one lower mainland tire shop is seeing a boost in its business. Chilly temperatures have meant that customers have been rushing to buy snow tires at OK Tire. Despite winter tires being required on the Coquihalla and other major routes since October, many lower mainland drivers seem to be making the swap at the last minute. And also this year, with pandemic restrictions, some would-be snowbirds are also rushing to get the tires on when in years past they wouldn't have had to. You'll notice it too in the later snow of the year, you'll see people coming in and actually start to change them then. Um, what I always recommend if you are the person that does a lot of Whistler for skiing, Hope, Princeton, Coquihalla, I would advise you to put on snow tires. If you're around town, local, kind of Hope to North Vancouver, I would just use either an all weather that's snowflake rated or stick with an all season tire on your comfort level of driving in the snow. I know I've got my son, Yvonne, saying, when do we get to go tobogganing? And I don't know whether that's in the forecast or not, but uh, I know uh, you've got the details. Well, well, we've got some good news. Both Saturday and Sunday, we are looking at the potential for some snow. We'll talk about the amounts and the timeline in just a moment. But it was gorgeous today, and we'll have a similar weather picture through the beginning of tomorrow. Here's a shot captured in Richmond by Jared, and this is on the 12th hole. Uh, still out there golfing. Temperatures are chilly, though. We're currently sitting at 2. We've got clear conditions overnight, but with the wind chill, it'll feel closer to minus so do bundle up for the early morning hours. Now here's the action that we're tracking and this will start to push in towards the evening. Most areas for Metro Vancouver, the precipitation is going to move in late evening and continue through the morning hours on Sunday and with it, the ingredients are there. It'll be cold enough for most areas. We're hovering the freezing mark. We could see that snowfall accumulating. This model is showing most areas rain towards the west, but it'll be higher elevations, rain and snow and amounts, especially along the eastern edge and inland across the island between five and up to 15 centimeters. The usual spots for Metro Vancouver, Westwood Plateau, Burnaby Mountain, two and up to five centimeters. And we're looking at lesser amounts for the southern tip of Vancouver Island in areas near Victoria. Also wanted to say we've got another wave on Sunday. And there's a special weather statement for the Fraser Valley with the potential to see up to 10 centimeters by Sunday night. And the snow starts to develop or change back over to snow by the afternoon. So keep it tuned here. We will be tracking it very closely over the weekend. But the first wave 
wave is going to move in late Saturday and overnight as we're sleeping so we could see that snow by our Sunday morning. Now the precipitation along the north coast picks up towards the afternoon and that's the same system that'll push its way towards the south. We've got dry conditions for the central interior. Snow will start to move in on Sunday and along the southern interior we're tracking that snowfall on Sunday with on and off flurries. All areas across the south coast will start to see the action. Precipitation will be towards the evening. Sunday morning that's where we'll see the rain snow mix so keep a close eye and then snow for the Fraser Valley and then we've got it unsettled. It's going to be very chilly so bundle up over the next few Gorgeous shot. This was taken uh, early this morning of the sunrise. Burnaby Mountain camp also in capturing a hummingbird too. Sunrise snack for the little bird. All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. There is Squire. You know, we've been saying the Canucks at least a couple of days ago, a couple of games ago, weren't pressing the panic button, but I think maybe fans have their <laughs> hand hovering above it right now. I think fans watched that game last night like this. Yeah. The way you watch a scary movie. Um, so the question was to Travis Green after it was all over, that 7-3 loss, is there any way to sum up what happened to the Canucks against Montreal? Uh, how do I explain it? Well, we didn't play well again. There's, there, I don't need to explain it any more than that. I don't know about you, Chris, but I've been given ties at Christmas that weren't as ugly as this game <laughs> last night. Unless you're a Habs fan, then it was great, of course. Same here. Also later... Satellite debris. Fire, she blows. Whoop. Loading zone. Pull hard to starboard. Too I don't even know how to throw to you after what we saw last night from the Canucks. Just you take it away and, I guess, let Travis Green do the talking. Hank. Well, you know, I mean, the great thing about a hockey season is if these games happen early in the season, you just kind of forget about it after a while. But it's fresh. It's still fresh. Uh, last night, the Canucks did not have injured defenseman Alex Edler or Travis Hamanick. They also didn't have a clue how to play defense as a team. They look like matadors, just sort of waving the cape as the Montreal Canadiens skated by towards Thatcher Demko and scored seven times. Now, allowing a lot of scoring chances, this is something the Canucks did a lot last season as well. But they either outscored their issues, which isn't as easy if Elias Pettersson is not getting any points, not to put it all on him, but I don't know what's up with him lately. Also, they had Jacob Markstrom to bail them out. Not to knock Demko or Braden Holby, but playing behind the Canucks is sometimes like being a crash test dummy. They are going to have to bail this team out once in a while just the same. Here's Kakaniemi passing to the side and a wide open net and another goal. To say the Canucks' defensive play has been a disaster would be an understatement. They are coming up with new and inventive ways to gift scoring chances that have ended up in their net at a furious rate. They've given up five-plus goals in four of their six games this season. They've been so bad, you couldn't dream of making excuses, and they're not. It starts with players like myself that, uh, you know, that have been around um, to, to come out sharp in a game like that. And when you don't, it... it doesn't set the tone great for your group. You know, got to figure it out, you know, within, within our dressing room and, and uh, you know, and buy in. I think everybody's got to step up, including myself. We've got to take responsibility for um, our play and, 
and uh, and get back at it again. Hughes at the blue line. Miller takes his pass in front. Horvath scores! Offense hasn't been a problem for the Canucks. They've scored some fantastic goals, and the power play is really clicking after a slow start. Obviously, they have to tighten up defensively, but they feel it's more of a mindset than technical issues. They need to get back to that bubble mentality. You know, it could be that when you when you have a little bit of success or you win some playoff series, you come back and you forget how how hard it is to win. We're not a team that has ever won easy. Uh, we've got to grind out wins. You know, we had that mentality last year. We got to get get back to that. We need to get back to doing what uh, what makes us successful. Uh, we're a four checking team. We're a team that uh, prides on turnovers in the offensive zone. And when you can constantly do that and continuously do that, you simply just spend less time in your own zone chasing the puck around. It's still early. 50 games are left, but the Canucks have certainly hit their first reality check. Best to regain their form or they could dig a big hole that they may not be able to climb out of. To get check a reality check on where we are as a group. But the way I look at it is... We know it's there, and I think that's the reason why it's frustrating. All right, Connor McDavid and the Oilers in Toronto, not facing Austin Matthews, who's not playing tonight, to, to an upper body situation. Uh, that's a shorthanded goal for Leon Dreisaitl. one nothing in the second period. Third period now, Toronto up by one goal, but it's tied because Connor McDavid, rather clever with the stick, 2-2. Power play for the Leafs. Mitch Marner's shot deflected in by John Tavares. Leafs win this by the score of 4-2. The the oh, look, we're going to see this one now. Uh, Tristan Jerry from Surrey and the uh, Penguins against the Rangers. Philip Heedle with moves and a goal. That is most impressive. And the Rangers have tied All right, that made it 1-1 in the second period. Capo Caco off the rebound. That made it 3-1 for the Rangers. But the uh, Penguins would get close here. This would make it 3-2. This is an odd goal. It's actually Ryan Lindgren is trying to push the puck back to his goaltender. Instead, you can see right here, he puts it in the far corner. Pittsburgh won it in a shootout, 4-3. to three. All right, PGA West down in uh, the Coachella Valley, and that's uh, Merritt's Roger Sloan. Three BC guys in this tournament this week. He's actually eight under par after two rounds, tied for 10th. Nick Taylor, who had a great start in last week's tournament as well. This, this is going two places, in the hole or off the green. It's going so fast. In the hole for a birdie. And then with birdie, number 17 as well. He is one back of a Sun JM who has the lead. Here's a bizarre putting stroke. Watch this. Mark Hubbard. The pinky low. Too bad his uh, caddy's in the way of the hole, but it didn't go in anyway. He misses the cut, so I guess he figured he might as well try that. Uh, Adam Hadwin at six under par. Hank Aaron, one of the most important figures in baseball history, died today at the age of 86. He was the man who passed Babe Ruth for most home runs in 1974, and he did so while dealing with numerous death threats from racists. Um, his home run record lasted until Barry Bonds broke it under suspicion of steroid use. 
Uh, Aaron still holds the all-time record for RBIs and total bases and extra base hits. He was also a major figure in the civil rights movement. You can tell in listening to... Nick All right, Raptors taking on the Heat. And Norm Powell. Had a big first half, 19 in the first half. And Chris Boucher of Montreal also jamming. Boy, this guy's been great for them so far this year. Toronto wins this 101 to 81. Just want to point out North Vancouver's Jane Channel. Bronze today in uh, Skeleton from Germany. Excellent. There you go. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. Here's Andrew now with a preview of Global News tonight at 11, including amazing video. That's right. Some dramatic video to show you, Chris, of a car crash on Vancouver Island. And amazingly, the two people inside survived. It happened Tuesday night at a residential neighborhood of Colwood. A vehicle speeding down a road suddenly becomes airborne. We'll hear from a neighbor about exactly what happened? And an update on the search for a missing Port Moody woman. Police say the family of Trina Hunt is fully cooperating and foul play is not suspected. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris. All right, Anne, thank you very much. We're back with Satellite Debris right after this. Squire's got a fantastic edition of satellite debris lined up for you. Thank you. Now I hope I can. Did I oversell it? That. Did I oversell? <laughs> well, I hope not. But uh, I mean, I I I, I personally kind of like this one. This is a good one. Uh, we'll start with um, a, a musical commercial for Just Eats. Here we go. <laughs> There's a way to get your dinner without moving from your seat. If you believe in magic, tonight you can just eat. Magic is real, it's contained within an app. It makes spicy sits one before straight into your lap. A cavalcade of local chefs, wizards of the walk. I hate to practice alchemy with fish and chicken stock. Magic is real, it's contained within an app. Put your feet up and watch Peking Duck appear with just a tap. Magic is pizza, tacos, tabloid fish and chips, shish kebab, vindaloo, and spicy crispy chicken strips. Summon up your favorite takeaway tonight. I always thought when I watched those old musical movies you would see on TV late at night that the whole town knew the same dance step. I always found that quite amazing. (laughs) Okay, so here's two uh, ads from Geico. One featuring Captain Ahab and the other featuring Tag Team. Kicking it to the 90s. Did you know Geico could save you hundreds on car insurance and a whole lot more? Hmm. So what are you waiting for? Captain Ahab to help you find a parking spot? Fire, she blows! Whoop! Loading zone, darn it. Pull hard to starboard! Too small! Seriously? Because it... Oh, follow him! Steady, steady! 
go! Thunderation to the northern lot, where there be parking spaces as big as whales! Geico. See all the ways you could save. Tasha, did you know Geico could save you hundreds on car insurance and a whole lot more? So what are you waiting for? Hip-hop group tag team to help you plan dessert? Aw, uh, fresh vanilla, rocky roll, chocolate, peanut butter, cookie dough. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. Oh, come on. That thing's beautiful. <laughs> that was okay. great. Okay, uh, this one, um, boy, these commercials are uh, maybe about 14 or 15 years ago. I love these ones from Bud Light. Here we go. This round of Bud Lights on me. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Steve. Yo, Steve. Fist bump is out, man. Really? What's in? <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Nice job in there, Larson. You saved the account. <laughs> what are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. In a chainsaw. Uh, I don't know. I think it lived up to the billing square. Uh, well, tag team alone. Yeah. Yes. You know, redoing whoop, there it is with the, uh, the desserts. That was classic. Some good dance moves there. All right, final warning about the snow on the way and cold weather. Yes, so we're tracking it, especially for Saturday. It'll be late overnight and into Sunday morning. So a heads up, accumulating snowfall for many areas across the south coast and then more snow on the way, especially for eastern areas in the Fraser Valley for Sunday afternoon and evening. All right, thank you very much for that. Have a great weekend, everybody, no matter what falls from the sky. We'll see you Monday.